Welcome to the National Hour. Unreal Kipper and Bourne. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. What a jam-packed show for three guys with no Halloween costumes. That won't sap our energy because we're going to our second Hall of Famer. Joining us now, Mark Messier, six-time Stanley Cup champion, ESPN hockey analyst, and the guy we can blame for an 8 p.m. start local here in Toronto. Moose, what's going on, pal? There you go. What's going? How's it going, guys? We're good. How are you? Is this uh, another uh, frozen frenzy tonight with a 8 p.m. local start here, Toronto and L.A.? This is going to feel like uh, the walk in the park today after the frozen frenzy. We got one game tonight at ESPN, and I am dressing up for it. I am going in the, uh, you know what, Kipper. What was I every year for Halloween? Elvis. El, you are the king, my friend. Now, is this, uh, uh, I can't, uh, you and PK got to get, you're cooking something up for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got uh, we got a nice little fun gig going here tonight. So it's uh, Halloween. We got to celebrate Halloween. The best, the best team party and team sports. Well, I know it was a much bigger deal. Like when my dad played with the Islanders, I, I always saw the pictures, the parties. Everyone was done to the nines. Was this like... Uh, tell me about partying on Halloween in New York City as a member of the Rangers. See, this is where mess would really take control. <laughs> like I said, it was the best team party of the year. It was right after training camp. Everybody had their head down, kind of getting ready for the season. Then you start the season. You don't really have time to kind of socialize too much. And so this is one time at the start of the season where everybody can kind of relax, come to the uh, party and uh, put their costumes on. And uh, really kind of do some team building. So uh, I really enjoyed it. We used to have really high prizes, great prizes for first place. And uh, Kipper <laughs> was always in the running. He had good costumes. <laughs> Appreciate it, pal. Uh, tonight, uh, the LA Kings, Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, featured game on uh, ESPN, of course, as we mentioned. You got to have a real appreciation for the, the Kings, Mark, and uh, the, the strength down the middle. Of course, all those years uh, with the Edmonton and, and New York, winning winning cups here you look at Kopitar you look at Philip Deneau and then recently added uh Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, your thoughts on the Kings yeah big big strong team again uh you know they probably one of the hardest working teams in the National Hockey League they all play hard away from the puck uh they're in pursuit all the time they put a lot of pressure on teams I think Kopitar's I'm not sure if you can say he's underrated or underappreciated, but uh, to me, I, when I watched him play in the New York Rangers in the Stanley Cup Finals, he dominated the game. Uh, big, strong centerman. Every team wants a uh, centerman like Opatar. He's got all the skills, plays in every area of the game, every situation, five on three, three on five, kills penalties, big face-offs, and, of course, having that strength down the middle, and then you back him up with Dubois, who's just as big and maybe just as talented, but... Uh, yeah, the Kings. Uh, Kings have got a nice, nice-looking team, and uh, they've been kind of uh, being being a nuisance for a lot of teams in the West. And as we've seen in the past, uh, they're not an easy out in the playoffs. Mess, just like at the start of the year here, as teams maybe lose a few more than expected or win a few more than expected, how much weight do you put on October on the first few weeks? Is it crucial that you come out with a good start? Because I look at a team like the Penguins, the Flames, and Oilers. Teams that we thought were probably playoff teams who are way behind the eight ball. Is that, you know, crushing for them to have come out so slowly? It, 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 I wouldn't say it's crushing, but it's going to put a lot of pressure on, on them if they don't get it straightened up pretty quickly. As we've seen, anybody that's been out of the playoffs almost come Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, 
has been hard to climb back into that playoff picture. So, yeah, getting off to a good start is critical for these teams. And, you know, if you can get yourself in a good position the last 40 games and then just play 500 hockey, it's, 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 it takes a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, reduces a lot of injuries. And, um, but if you're trying to make up four or five games in the second half of the, of the season, that's going to be a tall task, especially with the emergence of uh, Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, who are going to be taking points away from these teams in the East. Um, I don't know. I, 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 like I said, I don't think you can win the Stanley Cup in October, but you can certainly play yourself out of the position, and then it's hard to get back into position. position. We're joined by Hall of Famer Mark Messier. Uh, Mess, uh, the Leafs coming off a decent road trip where they were able to get seven out of ten points, but a lot of uh, a lot of people, including us, know that they haven't hit any type of high note yet uh, to start the season. Uh, just your thoughts on the Leafs and still what seems to be the dependency on Matthews and, and Marner to score and uh, where you see Tavares and, and Nylander maybe picking up a lot of that slack as well. Yeah, you look at you need your star players to be star players the way that the system is set up right now where, you know, you're heavy, heavily laden in the salary cap with your star players and then you're bringing in younger players and, and role players to fill in. So, yeah, they do have to perform and there's a lot of pressure on them to perform. But, you know, as we've seen uh, with some Stanley Cup winners in the past years, depth scoring becomes invaluable and uh, nobody had it better than Vegas last year. You know, four solid lines and you know, six big, strong defensemen, uh, you know, that that's a prototype team that everybody's going to have to go through in order to win the Stanley Cup. I don't see them being an easy out again this year. They lost one player who was a great player, mind you, but uh, the rest of the team is is uh, pretty strong. And one of the things that they have over everybody else, Vegas, is that, you know, they've already got the chemistry built in. So they're hitting the floor running this or hitting the ice running this year, way ahead of everybody else in that regard. Uh, the Leafs, you know, they made some moves up front and they're trying to find the chemistry then who plays best where. Um, and that is always a little bit of a of an issue for a team that's made some changes and gone a little bit of a different direction. They added a little more grit into the lineup. And um, But like the forwards, and again, it's whether they can keep the puck out of their own net. You know, uh, goaltending is always going to be a question mark until it's not. And uh, in the defense, uh, you got to have some big, strong defensemen back there in there that can play two months of playoff hockey and and make it a miserable place to go in front of the in front of their own net. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see it being any any teams being that uncomfortable in front of Toronto's net right now, and that's a problem come playoff time. Yeah, and you see the best teams in the league. You mentioned Vegas; they got some big, strong D. Colorado wins it after they get a guy like Manson. That's a theme. I'm looking at. Your New York Rangers there, uh, a team that's you know off to a really good start. How, how do you like the way they stack up? I think maybe the Metro is a bit softer this year, and for them to jump out of the gates like they have, you know, are they built well enough to be one of the teams that could take down Vegas? Well, they're, they're always going to be in the mix, New York, because they got one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League, so the, yeah. he's always going to make them relevant. Uh, they do got some superstar players with Fox, so obviously a Norris Trophy winner. Miller, I think, is going to be just scratching the surface of his potential, a big, strong leader and shutdown guy, Truba, uh, you know, Lindgren's a, a, a scrappy uh, defenseman. Uh, they got some scoring up front and, and really the, for me, New York's going to be whether it's uh, Kako and Lafreniere can emerge as top players and push some of the veterans down a bit. Uh, you know, we all are waiting for them to kind of emerge and be uh, top line players and, and score the points. Well, they have to be put in position to score those points. And so if they're not able to push those guys down and 
create more depth in the organization, uh, the New York's going to New York the Rangers are going to have a problem. But uh, you know they both look better this year. Uh, they're getting better, more opportunity, which they need in order to get the confidence and obviously put the points on the board. But uh, the Rangers are an interesting team. They're going to be one of the teams that are in the hunt for the uh, for the uh, you know coming out of the East this year. But as we know, guys, there's so much parity in the league, and there's so many teams that are right on the brink and trying to find that added last piece of ingredient that really kind of pulls a team together. And again, this year, uh, you know, when we get to the 40 game mark, we're going to have a lot better idea where everybody stands. But the trade deadline again is going to be uh, something that all the teams are really going to be trying to. Uh, maneuver in order to kind of put the icing on the cake for some of these teams that think they are, have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Moose, I got to ask you about uh, the Battle of Alberta and uh, uh, coming off the Heritage Classic, two teams that uh, were in dire need of a of a good distraction, and, and that seemed to be it for, for both of them, but it, it, it's temporary, and now you're right back in the thick of things. I want to start with the Edmonton Oilers first, and the pressure on Connor and Leon to to deliver and then the rest of them to deliver a Stanley Cup contending team. Is there is there anything that you've experienced over your past? Like you guys came through with championship after championship and when you lost, it maybe it was expected or it was a learning curve, but it seems like the Oiler fans are far beyond any learning curve. They want it here and they want it now. Can, is there anything you're watching that you can relate to from your days in Edmonton to what the players are going through today and the expectations? Well, the expectations are going to be great when you have, you know, two of the world's greatest players on the team. There's no question. But unfortunately, the two greatest players in the world can't win alone. <laughs> so they do need the players and the, uh, in the, uh, and the uh, depth around them in order to win. You know, we were lucky enough to have that uh, with Wayne and I and, and the great players that we had around us and, look at the Islanders and Trotche and the depth that they had in the goaltending. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, hockey, the reason why hockey is such an amazing trophy and the Stanley cup, such an amazing trophy is because it takes everybody in the organization along with the players in order to win it. And, uh, and if you're not completely immersed into the journey of what it takes to win, uh, you're going to have zero chance. I just don't see that the Oilers at this point right now, um, playing with the kind of, urgency defensively that you would need or you'd expect from a team that talked all summer about how they've learned all their lessons um, and then to come out and lose 8-1 and the c- compete battle around in front of their net, uh, getting defense getting pushed off pucks, uh, getting out of position. Um, I just don't see it. And then, of course, the undisciplined penalties that we saw last year in the playoffs, thinking that they could overcome it with their offense. Well, you just don't end up in the playoffs they got a lot of work to do in Edmonton in order to get themselves in a position to be able to take on a team like Vegas over seven games and beat them. Uh, I don't see it right now, but maybe they'll make some changes uh, as we go along and the attitude will change and, and they'll, uh, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll be able to kind of put up a, a better resistance to a, to a team that's so complete as Vegas or where or Colorado, even for that fact, uh, and some of the other teams uh, that they're going to have to go through to get out of the West. Well, yeah, you know, we've been talking about the West because it is interesting seeing Edmonton start poorly and then seeing their rival Calgary start the way they have. You have a history or there's a leadership award named after you. You're the perfect guy to ask about this. If you're in that dressing room, like it's a pretty talented roster, in my opinion. I think they should be okay. You know, what do you do when a team is flailing like the Flames are? It feels like a team that thought they were a playoff team that now is wondering if they need to tear it all down. 
Yeah, that's a, probably a really disappointing uh, locker room in Calgary. Uh, you know, they thought that uh, they're going to pin the tail on the donkey on Sutter and get rid of him, and yeah, and uh, everyone was going to be great. Uh, but uh, you know, it's a fine line of winning and losing in the National Hockey League, and it's not that big a difference on either side of it. Uh, you know, you, you want to say that you know that confidence can be a, a determining factor, but ultimately, it's just not confidence. You got to earn your confidence, and you earn it through the work and the, that you put in and the, the commitment that you make and um you know calgary's uh you know thinking that uh, going into the season that they had a team that could climb their way back into the playoffs unfortunately there's a lot of teams that have kind of closed that gap now that so they're going to be fighting to the end to in order to make the playoffs but um like I, I i say it's it's such a hard league there's so much parity um getting off to a slow start right now is not a good recipe for uh for uh, putting yourself in playoff position, but uh, we'll, 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 wait, we'll wait and see. The, the judgment's out on, on uh, we're going to reserve judgment on Calgary for the first, uh, <laughs> at least a month and a half of the season. Speaking of tough markets, uh, one that you know a little bit about in Vancouver, are, are you surprised that uh, the the, uh, the attention to detail that a guy like Rick Tockett's gotten this early in the season from his players? I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, I think talk was one of the kind of a players that uh, played, you know, with his heart on his sleeve. Uh, he was a character guy. Um, details matter uh, in the game. Um, expectations matter. Uh, peer pressure matters. Um, and I think he came in uh, trying to set a tone that, uh, you know, the players are responsible for their actions, uh, right or wrong. Uh, you know what I mean? We can put, you know, coaches can put any kind of game plan up on the board and all the structure around it. But if the players don't commit to it and if they're not completely immersed into winning and committing themselves to winning, it's not going to happen. And it's the small details of the game, fundamental details of the game that have to be second nature. You can't be thinking about them. They have to be so repetitive, so basic in your in the way that you approach the game uh, from practice all the way through to into the games that, you know, those habits become uh, winning habits. And, uh, you know, and, and that's why you see coaches are and good coaches that can get a team to buy into that kind of philosophy normally have pretty good success because it's such a fine line of winning and losing. So if you've got a team that's actually doing all the fundamental things, the basic things of, of winning hockey on a regular basis, their chances of them winning are pretty, probably pretty good. Last one for me, Mark. Yesterday we saw Joe Thornton put out a uh, retirement video. He's tapped out at over 1,700 games, you know, and he goes out without a Stanley Cup is unfortunate. But I do want to get your thoughts on the idea that now with 32 teams, you know, we judged success in in your era, Nick, in your era by winning cups. You had to win Stanley Cups. Has that changed at all with 32 teams in the NHL or is it still paramount and the only way to really judge a true successful career? We're always at the mercy. Any any individual player is at the mercy of the people in the organization around them. Is is, and and of course it's a great barometer to say that a, a player won a Stanley Cup to go along with an amazing, you know, career statistically. But you know, uh, just because you don't win a Stanley Cup doesn't mean you're not a winner. And Joe Thornton is a winner in every way. He was an amazing character guy. Came in the league for highly regarded carved himself an incredible career, became an unbelievable leader um, and a mentor to a lot of players later in his career, loved the game. And uh, 
I got to meet Joe on a number of occasions throughout the years and uh, really enjoyed enjoyed uh, meeting him and getting to know him. Um, it's hard to win. And as you said, 32 teams now, a lot of parity, a lot of competition. Um, it was unfortunate because uh, I don't. I think that everybody that uh, knew Joe or got to play with Joe or or uh, got to meet Joe would have liked to have seen him host his Stanley Cup, much like Ray Bork did later in his career. Right. I mean, that was uh, so satisfying to see Bork, you know, finally raise the Stanley Cup later in his career because of the amazing career that he did have. But uh, yeah, it's hard to win, and uh, you know, you're you're forever grateful for the people around you that uh, supported anybody or any team or any team member uh, when you when you can win together. One more for me, Matt, and we'll let you go as you prepare for the Los Angeles Kings and the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Uh, a horrific accident that cost the life of former NHLer uh, Adam Johnson. Uh, lots of talk about uh, mandating uh, neck guards. You've been a, such a, a strong advocate uh, towards helmets and concussions and moving forward with equipment. Um, Mary Kay, your sister, obviously involved uh, heavily in, in equipment. Uh, it's just not that easy to to slam your fist on the table and say, okay, everybody's going to wear uh, neck guards. But you know, is it uh, is is it an easier discussion today than it was even twenty years ago, thirty years ago, when it came to helmets or visors, and or or is it just still a very personal thing between player and his equipment and the the feel that you gotta you got to feel comfortable and sometimes guys are willing to risk a few things. Yeah, I, I, I have a strong opinion on that. I, I, I think, uh, unfortunately when I started coaching my son, when he was younger, I, I knew the, all the inherent dangers of the game because if I played it for so long and I'd see these kids come out and practice with, you know, no, no socks on or skin exposed everywhere and just not knowing how dangerous at any moment, uh, you know, a skate blade coming across the back of a calf or across an artery or, or whatever. Uh, I really think you got to protect the players from themselves and sometimes. And I'm hoping the Players Association really get together there and, and really lead by example in this case now. I, I don't think that the, the effect of wearing a neck guard and the amount of lives that can save, um, we just got to just gotta really push towards uh, making that mandatory. Um, and if you can make it mandatory at the National Hockey League level and the players agree to do it, it's going to tr- have the trickle-down effect where we're not going to have the accidents that we saw right here in, in Brunswick School in, in Connecticut not not long ago. Um, one, one life is too many for something that just because we're not willing to mandate a piece of equipment that we know can save a life. Um, so I'm really hoping the Players Association, the players themselves, the leadership of the players really kind of think about this and really make a statement that's going to benefit every young boy and girl playing hockey coming into any league. Because if the National Hockey League can uh, can uh, go ahead and implement this rule, then nobody else should have a problem uh, implementing it in their leagues as well. Always well said on the show, Mark. Uh, really appreciate your time. And uh, hey, thanks for doing this. Enjoy your, uh, your Halloween tonight. Not too much candy, okay? <laughs> Elvis <laughs> is in the building. <laughs> thanks, Mass. The king is leaving the real Kipper and Bourne show. Mark Messier. It's a good costume. Yeah. Wow, he's he's pretty adamant on uh on where this thing should go. It's just it's just doesn't work that way. And it won't work that way hmm. moving forward where you know tomorrow that they can all say 
Everybody's got to wear neck guards. It just, it it won't work that way. It hasn't in the past. Why and, can't it though? Uh, because you're dealing with a players association. That Mark said when when you're dealing with a, a union, you're dealing with uh, collected bargaining, yeah. and they have they have uh, they have a health and, and safety committee. They do, mm-hmm. and there are people on it, and you got to go through that. And then there's a protective equipment subcommittee and you've got to go through that you just cannot put your you can't pound a table and say this is what we're doing moving forward it has to it has to start with uh the 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 choice of the players who are playing the game and let's not forget that they have the choice to put it on now right nobody's telling them they can't put it on oh you can can, or the woolly this whole career you can put it on now (laughs) And if you feel that strongly, then do it, right? Like, and people are telling us use the the language protect players from themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're the union would never go on. Hey, okay, owners uh, and insurance companies, you you tell us what's best for us. Mm -hmm. No one would. That, That that's just not realistic. That's it's, not happening. It's so funny. I think if we had 700 NHL players or whoever many have played in the league so far this year on this show one at a time and asked them about neck guards, they'd all say, yeah, I'd be fine with mandating it. And I bet you if you did a quiet vote behind the scenes, I'd all be like, I'm not doing that. Like, I do yeah. think the yeah. players don't yeah. want to Bingo. do it. Yeah. And because it, it just feels it, different it, and it, looks awkward. I, I, and, I, I know this is not the answer people want to hear, but it has to just evolve like, visors evolved and it doesn't start it doesn't start uh in the nhl it starts with of course it's been around in minor hockey but then it's got to go with the juniors and then it's got to go to the american hockey league and then all those players that are coming up using it on a mandatory basis will naturally use it in the nhl that's the way visors work, JB. Yeah, I know it is. But that's the way it worked. I, I think that's a much bigger impact on your ability to play hockey is physically putting something in front of your eyes. You know, like that is much different. I think if players put on a neck guard and everyone wore a neck guard, within a week, no one would think about neck guards. Like I, I play college hockey, you throw in a cage that first day and you're like, this is awful. I have no chance to play hockey like this. And then, yeah, a week later, you don't ever see the bars again. A neck guard to me is like if if Marty Walsh called all the NHL players or whoever the reps are and said, can we get a vote on this? And if the majority want to do it, we'll do it. And they got a majority vote. They could do it tomorrow. But they won't. Well, that's, they won't. Sure. I, you know, that is an opinion what the players will want. And I think you're right. But I, I don't think it's you, you you're making it sound like it ha- it's impossible to get this gigantic hurdle cleared. If, they, if we wanted is. to do it, we could do no, it tomorrow. No, no, no. But, but yeah, but they don't. Therefore, it won't. That's, I, it, I I look at it no different than pride tape. One guy goes, I'm using it. What are you going to do about it? And then, guess what? Not an issue anymore. You want skate, uh, you want the guard issue gone? Put it on. I bet you twenty bucks. Just put it on. You, you want to make a statement? I bet you twenty bucks next week an NHL player is wearing a neck guard. That's great. That's great. That's gonna and happen. Then, and then hopefully two will, 
and maybe two to four. Yeah. And then maybe in a year, 600 wear it. And then you turn around and you make it mandated. Mm-hmm. When, when you got 600 wearing right. it. And that's the way visors worked. When visors got mandated that you have to have one moving forward, they had already had 80, 90% of the league using them. So not one or two, right? And then throwing seven hundred and fifty visors it's, on everybody and saying, "Now you got to use this them." This isn't a performance issue, and so it's different to me. Like the the league, it happened, and they're like, "Ah, oh, we're going to." So wear who neck decides now. if it's not an uh, 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 an issue of a, a performance? Who you decide? Well, I decide that I think it's a bunch of people fibbing, saying it's going to make a big difference. I know, but we're sitting oh, on a, a little, desk. Little. Let them say it. The yep. guys that are actually playing, I get it. saying it. They, and they have the right to vote and make those yeah. decisions. All right. Uh, Should a, an adult step in? Probably, but. It is performance. You know, I, I wear a neck guard, and I suck before I wear a neck guard, and I put it on, I still suck. So it doesn't affect performance. <laughs> Did well, you, uh, it doesn't affect your performance. So I, Did you go buy one? Well, I wear, an, I've worn a neck guard my whole life. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always worn a neck guard. I don't know why, I just always did. And I feel like I need to chime in that I hate wearing a neck guard. Always. I feel like I need my opinion. But I'm on that in, I am totally used annoying. to it. Yeah. Don't even think about it. Yeah. It's a thought that doesn't cross my mind. But, but you my, get chirped for it. But the Velcro on mine had gone uh, within the last month, and I had gone a couple games without wearing a neck guard. So I was like, well, I'm going to go get a neck guard after watching what I saw with Adam Johnson, horrific injury. Just, you know, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. So I went to, uh, shout out Dukes, went down to the Source for Sports. And they said that they had sold a lot yesterday. Yeah. It was a popular item bought at the, at the store because people were coming in there to buy neck guards, which it takes, I don't know, like I think it's already mandated across like minor hockey that you have to wear one. That I don't league know feel. didn't make it mandatory, the EIHL, because of supply. Yeah. They didn't know that they could get enough for everyone. But I think at some point, you know, I think it will be like the visor thing. But I, I you know, I think there's probably, is it, I don't know, someone who's in minor hockey now texts a show and tell us like, isn't it? I think it's mandatory it already to wear one it now. Is. It is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's just, plays, you have to it's, have. eventually it's just going to happen. You hope. And yeah, I hope I they know. they do evolve, too. I, I want to see better ones. Like, still, yeah. still there's some that are just well, I know. They're, garbage. They're, they're bulky. And... They're, they're still skin exposed. Can we do, like, a mock neck The one, thin the one I bought yesterday. It's like... spinning on some kids. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. I, I had one that backwards. was like the I had one that was like the strap the forever that was like Dickie th- tucked in the like, bib. It was a little just like one like that big, but the one I got yesterday was like a whole thing. It's got like one that goes down a do little you do the bit. Shirt? Do I, I no, I go no tarp under my my stuff. So so it, it looks a little weird. But do I don't care. No tarp and a neck guard. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you get chirped. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Does that surprise you? No, I also I get chirped for sucking. So <laughs> you know, like, doesn't that you don't I, br- I bring a lot of it on myself. But doesn't that horrible beard of yours do oh, offer any protection at all? <laughs> the mullet just hides the back. Yeah. And the beard no, front. it's it's. But no, I think it's pretty easy just to throw one on. Yeah, I understand all the hurdles. I'm, I'm I understand. Around. But I, no, it's just. It's I don't ve- think it's performance. It's very very easy just to throw one on. Yeah. All right, Sammy. It's game time. All right, it's game time. Presented by Bet Three Six Five. Uh, uh, visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary. Bet Three Six Five must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Play responsibly and. We were talking about this on uh, Saturday, Saturday mm-hmm. with the Leafs going into Nashville and playing a former player in, the, in Ryan O'Reilly. And we joke about how stupid it is that to not bet on Ryan O'Reilly to score a goal. And tonight, it's a very good opportunity to take a former Leaf to score in Toronto. And I'm looking at the odds for Trevor Moore to score a goal tonight. 
He's plus 275. So they kind of know. They know. They, they know. He's also got five goals this year. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's not like he's like a, a bum. No. But if you want the pain to really start early, you can bet on him to have the first goal of the game, which very within the realm of possibility at 16 to 1. So, Do they even offer a line on Carl Grundstrom? They do. <laughs> they do have a line on Carl Grundstrom. He's 20 to 1 to score the first goal, and he is also uh, plus 350 to score, period. So, yeah, I don't think that's a very good, no. too high a number. But yeah, I the- like more at, at averaging 17 minutes a night, too. Yeah. Like, this isn't your third line winger fighting for 10 or 11 minutes. No, he matters to them. He's fast. He's got a nose for the net. He's a finisher. I, we, we saw a couple of sample sizes out of him with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. I never saw that coming. You know, I had seen him with the Marlies and saw it there, but people score there and it doesn't translate to the NHL, and I just wasn't sure that he had. But he's tenacious. Great motor. He can, That's what he changed, can, though. He can, he can read and yeah. react. Very good That changed? Line. What do you mean? Well, he wasn't tenacious necessarily. He was hesitant. And I think I've told this story on this show before, but uh, they actually, like, called him into the office to be like, here are some clips of you where we're worried that you're pulling up on 50-50 pucks, you're hesitant, whatever. And he really made a conscious effort to plow through those, like, well, mental blocks, and here he is. I, the thing that jumps out to me, the first, like, oh, my God, moment with him was when he destroyed oh, Zidane Ochara. That's right. In the playoffs. Yeah. In the, I think in the last series he's they thick. played, like yeah, a- he hammered him. And I was like, yeah. oh, that guy's got a little bit of a... Got that dog in him, as the children say. But, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, I really can picture him scoring a goal. And if you want to get super spicy and go the uh, Ryan O'Reilly route, I think he is 22-1 to 1 to score two or more goals tonight. So if you think he's going to come in and haunt the least, which is very, very possible, and we've seen it a million different times, yeah, uh, yeah that's a, that's a, that's that's a good opportunity paid. for you. All right. And also, you know, riding with the Canucks tonight, they've been hot, playing against Nashville, like them tonight in the second game of the doubleheader. And that was Game Time, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary. Bet365 must be 19+, plus, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. And as always, this hour of Real Kipper and Born brought to you by Bet365. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and rip on Eric Carlson. Oh, <laughs> oh <yeah>. my. <laughs> I volunteer. No, that's not fair. That's not fair. Uh, but- <laughs> no, no, no. It might be fair. Um, okay, you guys, I'll have your point. I'll have mine, All right. uh, and we're we're gonna probably end up at the same place. Yeah, I hope so. Pittsburgh Penguins, big loss to Anaheim. We'll tell you why after the break. Real Kipper and Born. Back in the studio here, the Real Kipper and Born Show. Hey, Derek, can you remind everybody how many Hall of Famers we had on the show? One, one Aki Hall of Famers. Two, two Aki Hall of Famers. We're really stepping our game up here. That's just phenomenal production. Just great. I don't know if you guys notice. It doesn't take a lot to amuse me. (laughs) You do love when we get like something like that. That's you're a big fan of that. It is. I enjoy it too. It is. Okay. Uh, We heard from uh, the great Mark Messier saying that nobody can win anything uh, this time of year, but you can can certainly uh, put yourself in a real 
tough position. Yeah. Calgary's proving that now. Pittsburgh Penguins kind of proving that right now. Going to the break, we talked about uh, the loss last night to Anaheim, which, again, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where you're, it's late in the hockey game. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're on a power play. In this instance, it five was a five-on-three. And you're like, okay, Pitt's winning this thing. Yeah. But you have no thought of a shorthanded goal. That And that, Mason McTavish steps out of the box yeah. and goes on a 140-foot breakaway. Had anyone in Pittsburgh hit the neutral zone yet when he shot that puck? That's un- like, unbelievable. That... Pittsburgh's awful. So it, it, it's for those of you that have not seen it, and I'm sure you will, uh, it was a simple D to D pass on the on a power play by Carlson. Yep. I think it was to Malkin, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Adam Henrique stepped in. I mean, barely. He just stuck a stick out. That's all it took. Dink. Pushed the puck up towards the middle of the ice where McTavish steps right in and, and buries... Uh, High glove. With 11 seconds left. For a big two regulation points. Yeah. Right now, uh, in the same amount of games played as the teams ahead of them, Penguins dead last in the Metro behind Columbus, Philly, Washington, who we've crucified on this show before. I mean, Pittsburgh stinks, guys. Uh, So I got to go in on this Pittsburgh Penguins team. I watched this game last night, and I admit it did – Heard a bet for me last night, the parlay I mentioned on the show. But there's no time you watch a team more critically no. than when you have a couple of dockets I had them, on it. Yeah, and I had, them, I had them in my survivor pool, so I watched oh, that game closely. Yes. Ouchie. I know. Oh, wow. So Pittsburgh is at home. Anaheim's at the end of a long road trip yeah. and not very good team, you know, in, in my roster anyway. The, by all, you know, this Pittsburgh team needs points. They're last in their division. Pittsburgh is what people think the Toronto Maple Leafs are. In terms of flying the zone, taking chances for offense, leaving their goalie exposed the other way, they have not a no. thought, so, uh, no thought, no conscience at all, Kip. All one way. Yeah. Well, last, there could I be think, a guy that has something to do with that. He's Dubis? No. A Carlson. Well, it Maybe. is. It's, it's the way Carlson's been his whole career. He has always been risk-reward. Always. Mean, Ottawa. But it's not just him. It's not just him. It is Carlson. You're right. I understand that's a theme. Yeah. But, like, that five-on-three, I don't know if you guys watched the five-on-three where they got buried. They happened to score on a five-on-three earlier where Anaheim gets a goal disallowed and deserves to keep the goal. Anaheim gets their coach ejected. Pittsburgh scores on a one-timer for Malkin. All they ran on a five-on-three for two minutes was attempted one-timers to Malkin. Crosby's sitting there at the side of the net. He might as well have tucked his stick in his sheath and just waited for the end of the power play. They didn't even think about using him. Carlson's a super talented player that's all about high risk when it's not necessary. And that's the difference yeah. for me. Is And, and la- that, that's just a, a prime example. But w- where is anyone's surprise face on? Like, did you not know what you were getting when you traded for him? Don't you think, you know, it was like, ah, you know, like San Jose is so bad. Once he's on a competitive team, he'll make more team Mm. friendly decisions. Mm. No one else thought that? Just me? You got one of the better coaches in the National Hockey League in Sullivan. You've got one of the best players in the history of the game in Crosby. Yep. You're nine, ten games in, and he's 
He's like a horse without a saddle right now, Carlson. Yeah. If those guys cannot pull in the reins, then who can? And he's only got six points in nine games or something, you know, on pace for a 55-point season. So if you're not going to get the offense and you're burning yourself the other way, boy, it's tough not to look at what Dubas has done there since he's been there and been like, oh, because, like, Achari, they signed him to a three-year deal. He's got like, no points. He's playing 12 minutes a night. Three-year contract for him. You know, Nieto, they gave him a couple years, getting nothing there. Lars Eller, six years to Ryan Graves. Doesn't seem to be able to defend particularly well. Jari, five years. Like, Dubas went there and handed out contracts and said, we're not doing anything with the coach. Like, they seem pretty locked into oh, what no. they have. He, there's, there's no indication that this is a, a Sullivan issue here. No. But, so... My next question to you is, how does Sullivan get his attention? Would you would you bench him? You think Sullivan has the guts to bench him? Do you think Carlson's the type of guy who that's what he'll respond to? I uh, don't personally. If if Sid if Sid's involved in this decision making, which I don't think there's much that goes on in Pittsburgh what, without decision making of benching a teammate? Sid needs great Carlson to get another crack at a Stanley Cup. He needs new Carlson, new attitude Carlson. I don't know if you can change that guy now, but Sid needs to be involved in helping Carlson help him. They ain't winning the Cup, so. I don't, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's done. So maybe last game was and, a one-off, but they looked awful. Uh, they're not. They're the last place in the division. They have three wins and six losses. They're they're bad. trending towards being bad. And like that Carlson trade, everyone was like, "Oh wow, they got you know they gave up not that much." And but they're still paying them ten million dollars until twenty six, twenty seven. There's four more years, including this one, on the contract at ten million. Like that could be a disaster for them. Disaster. They were up three two in that third period, and I want to sit with Kip after the game and watch the three two goal when when McTavish scores to make it three three. Everyone fly in the zone. Anyway, one last thought on Pittsburgh. Yes, Jari. Okay, mm. just find a way to make a save. <laughs> right, just on that play. Make or generally, a save that play. Yeah, that play. Bail your team just out. They need you. Get the point. It's. One big save you need, and it seems to be a problem in Pittsburgh the last few years, and that's to your point, uh, but we're going to sign him to five years times five. He's under 900. He's 893 in seven games so far this year. He didn't touch that breakaway. No, no. no fakes, no nothing. Just a lefty who shot at high glove swish. High glove. Guys like, lefty. Guys like to do that? Yeah, it's allowed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some love for the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah. Uh, Points in They've Vegas, played, man. Uh, uh, Marty St. Louis said ar- arguably his best effort from the team since he's been head coach last night. Yeah. 5-2-2. Two, and two. I mean, working hard, competing. You know, something about guys like Marty St. Louis who are competitive and want to win, like he'll have that team and himself convinced that they can keep doing this. Like I don't think Marty St. Louis thinks that they, you know, that they're a bad team who's going to fall off. Like, I think Marty believes he can get that team to the playoffs. Calgary Flames aren't uh, yeah. going to be too happy, but Sean Monaghan actually looks like a pretty good hockey player right now. Yeah. 
I, is it not? It's just the health thing, right? Like, how many games will he be able to stay in the lineup? And if he is, that's great. Yeah. Well, I think surgery may have taken care of him a little bit here. Mm-hmm. He had the he had a groin issue that uh, needed some sewing up, I think, and he seems fine now and put himself in a position to either stick around or get moved again for a prospect or a high pick. Play center, right? Leafs? Ryan O'Reilly? Awesome start to the season for my son, Nick Suzuki, too. It's been great. Eight points in nine games for him. Did you see the shiftiness? He's so good. I love him. Last night? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a good player. (laughs) My son. Yeah, he played for the attack. He's one of the best players ever for them. So I've always loved him. Big Montreal Canadiens fan? Yeah, it breaks my heart. He scored an overtime winner in the playoffs. He's the least guy, though. You saw his Twitter feed back in the day. Yeah. 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 I had a conversation with somebody that... uh, I wasn't aware of, and he threw this out, but can you confirm this to me? Uh-oh. That uh, uh, Calgary does not have their first-round pick next draft, and it isn't lottery-protected? Oof, let me look that Calgary up. does not have their first was that, to Montreal? Was that a Montreal? Pick traded trade away on August 18th to Montreal. Click full details. Um, okay. That's that's looking like yeah. a bigger deal than I think a lot of people if are Cal- remembering. If Calgary's 2024 first is between 20th and 32nd, Montreal could take that pick instead. So isn't lottery protected? Right. Oof. Yeah, that's uh that's an that's interesting old detail for the so Flamers So it's protected there. from it's- 6 Six, uh, 17 to uh, 20 to 32. 20 to if, 20. If it finishes in there, they can take it in 24. Otherwise, they can take it unprotected in 25, is my understanding. Okay. Quick reading here. Okay. Calgary better get going then. Yes. Calgary needs to pull it together. So, I mean, uh, that's that tells you that they may not be like everybody's thinking, oh, they're going to trade Hanfin and not sign him. They're going to be trading Zadorov. Like, they need to be decent. They can't be giving up their pick. Like yeah. they need well, to. They're that's kind of out there now. That I think it was Elliot uh, maybe ten days ago, a week ago said Hannafin is getting close, and now it, it appears it's all off the table now. Well, if they're going to strip it down for yeah. parts, then yeah. Then why am I resigning? And then what do you do with guys like Huberto and Cadre? You just sign a hundred year deals. I think generally people are okay with Hannafin, but Hannafin even if he was to sign in Calgary, would never be a defense and we could picture one day up for the Norris. No. So what are you really focused on signing now for? No, it's a good point. Um, Charlie McAvoy. McAvoy or Wheeler first? McAvoy. McAvoy. Suspended? Not yet. Gotta be. The hit's bad. Oh, listen, I've got him at four games. I said five. That's worse than Anderson. 100% worse than Anderson. Uh, in fact, I, I've got him in the same class. That's worse. Okay. That was like, that reminded me Convince of, me. That reminded me of like a 2010 Mike Richards on Mark Savard, like a Matt Cook. Puck nowhere near him. I think that's a big difference, I think. But Puck nowhere near him, elevates the sh- elbow right into the head, yeah. not looking blindside. It's everything that's wrong with, it's like the number one thing they want gone. That is a Horrible hit. That's the worst one I've seen in a uh, long time. He had time. a hearing this afternoon. That should be five games. Well, five would have put you in a in-person hearing that wouldn't needed to be waived. So 
I don't think he's getting five. McAvoy's also more famous than Anderson. So. But it's worse than it. It's, and, wor- it's way worse than Anderson. And, Sorry. And he's got a history, does he yes. not? He's been suspended uh, before. If it's under if it's under four, I will be, not be incredibly under. offended. It'll be four. It should yeah. be five. Even six. Okay. It's really bad. I'm not saying it's not. It's a really bad hit. Clifton but got I don't, two games you, too. You need to have a little bit of consistency. <sighs> Clifton got games right for a headshot as well. Pretty sure. Did they finish last night with four defensemen? Well, is Grizzlick hurt yeah, as well? Yeah, Grizzlick, I think, got hurt last so night, too. So they're coming into Toronto with a pretty thin decor. Don't like that. No, you don't want to have excuses. You, you want to see a good match. On, you want to see best on best. Yeah. You want to see McAvoy in there. You want to see the whole. Yeah. There's I, not I, a chance McAvoy's playing. No. No. I like McAvoy as a player. Don't like him a whole lot, on obviously, on the Bruins. But, like, he's really good. Oh, he's nasty. He's just. Such a good player. He's that kind of guy. But, yeah, he deserves. Kick him off the door. Yeah. <laughs> Suspended. So, Christine Simpson did an interview with Blake Wheeler. Oh, yeah. Rangers played Winnipeg last night. Wheeler got a, a tribute from the Jets, and the Jets faithful responded well. Standing O, I believe. Yep. He looked a little emotional, went on the ice, gave him a what's up. It, uh, great interview, though, with Christine Simpson, uh, where he talks about basically that the Jets organization kind of embarrassed him. We and, have the clip. Well, that's here. It's with, yes. with some spooky Halloween music underneath it. All right. Why do you think he took the C away from you? I, I don't think it's fair to put that on him. I, I think that there was more that went into it than is public. I prefer to keep it between, you know, myself, Chevy, and Mark Chipman, and leave it at that. Did that maybe spell the beginning of the end for you in Winnipeg? Well, it makes it easier to move on. Last year was super challenging in the sense that there's a certain amount of, I guess, embarrassment that comes with, you know, having the seat taken away. A lot of the narrative around our group going into last year was that there was dressing room issues and there was problems and then you take the captaincy away. Well, there's your problem right there, right? Sort of blaming it on you, the dressing room problems that we were hearing about. The timing of it certainly made it seem that way correct individually i felt like i had to grow as a person you know to kind of swallow that pill and even as a 36 year old i had some growing up to do and i don't know if i would have identified that had that not happened some real mood music under that yeah he felt like they embarrassed him they pointed the finger at him publicly and said this guy is why he was embarrassed yeah first of all there, there there were dressing room issues and you are the captain and much like a a coach you're it's on your watch you are the captain there's only one that is your room yeah. and if there are issues i think he needed to kind of hold up more responsibility for things becoming unglued and yeah i know there's other people involved but you know, this started a long time ago. Wheeler's, the issues in the room, you know, led by Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley actually started right around Patrick Liney's success. They didn't handle, they didn't handle Patrick Liney's success uh, gracefully. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, he, and he, Patrick came in and he was hot. It was him and Matthews yeah. were incredibly hot. And... They just, they they didn't manage it well. And, and Patrick's a different guy. He's not a guy that hangs out with other guys. He's a video guy. He doesn't mm. drink alcohol, right? Oh, my God. So while 
Wheeler may be a little more old school. Yeah. You know, let's go out and have a liquid lunch. No, let's play Mario. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And let's play we, with those we, Ataris. We, <laughs> Yeah, this yeah. is a different world. Yes, you want to be a real leader? Yeah. Learn how to play video games with <laughs> your 19-year-old. Yeah. You know, it's funny because he's like, you know, they said there's problems in the room. They take a C away. They're kind of saying it's my fault. And I think what I'm hearing you say is there's a problem in the rooms. You were wearing the C. Maybe it was. And so being publicly. It, just, it, it has to be a little bit on your watch yeah. that, hey, it just didn't work out. It, uh, and. I have to take a little responsibility. I thought it was great you know? that the fans were so welcoming yeah. and that he was engaging with, he had a yeah. great career in Winnipeg you know? and you know, that shouldn't and be it, worth there, nothing. There, there were issues, you know, Dustin Bufflin. Okay. He didn't walk away from the game of hockey. He walked away from a, your room. Has he been heard from since? <laughs> Never to be seen again. <laughs> Yeah, he's in somewhere. Yeah. Had enough. What a player he was. Oh, you know, All right. One of the best highlight reels ever. You know Boom. what the best day at Sportsnet is? The day after Halloween when everybody gets tries to get rid of their kids' candy. Yeah, that's right. Oh, just There'll be tables full. all over the place. I've oh, got a couple chocolate monsters in here, boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leading the favorite, charge. Favorite candy? Oh, jeez. Anything chocolate, Kip. You know me. Not a candy guy. Chocolate Reese's guy. Pieces. All right. Smarties. I'm a smarty guy. Combo. All right, just like that, two hours gone. Our thanks to Luke Robitaille, Hall of Famer. Our thanks to Mark Messier, Hall of Famer. Hall of Fame show. Enjoy your night, everybody. Stay safe. We're back tomorrow.